because the Lord is that good. And so, Lord, I pray today that you will help me to speak all that you have for me to speak, our ears to hear. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Genesis 28, verse 10. I want to talk to you about something to build on, something to build on. But really, I want to talk to you about two stories, two stories. You know, uh, every life has a story, and sometimes it says it on your tombstone. So I, I was thinking about what story will your stone tell? What will your story be? And, uh, you know, some people mark their tombstones with some interesting phrases. Let me give you some of the top funniest tombstones perhaps around the world today. Okay, you ready? This tombstone said, I was hoping for a pyramid. All right. The other one, a very famous one says, I told you I was sick. And I love this one because I have two daughters. It says this, this guy's tombstone said, raised four beautiful daughters with only one bathroom and still there was love. Right? <laughs> raised four daughters with uh, one bathroom and still there was love. And a golfer wrote this on his tombstone. He said, at last, a hole in one. Right? And uh, a smart aleck, a uh, self-proclaimed smart aleck, said this, now at least I know something you don't. Uh, husband wrote, she always said her feet were killing her, but nobody believed her. Put that on your tombstone. And uh, here you go, men or wives, put this on your, tombstone, your husband's tombstone. He was a simple man who died of complications. And uh, perhaps for all of you uh, bacon lovers, he loved bacon. Oh, and his wife and kids too. Uh, what is going to be on your tombstone? And not literally, but on your story. What uh, story will your stone tell? That's the question for today. What story will your stone tell? What will be the life story that you will uh, tell when you're passed from this place into our eternal home? What will your family tell? What will the people around you tell of your story? What story will your stone tell? Because it matters what you're building your life on and what's holding you up. Uh, in Matthew chapter 14, Jesus is talking to Peter and the disciples. He says, but who do you say that I am? And Peter says, well, I believe you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says, you know, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, uh, for the Lord didn't reveal, or you didn't receive this from man, but you received it from the Lord. And he says this, he says, blessed are you, uh, because uh, you, you did not receive this from flesh and blood, but my Father. But he says, and I say to you that you are Peter, in the Greek it says, little stone. You are Peter, little stone, and on this big stone, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. He says, on uh, you, you are a little stone, but on this big stone, what's the big stone? He says, on this truth, that I am the Christ, the son of the living God. On this bedrock, I will build my church. You are little rocks, but on this bedrock that you've just said, that I am the Christ, the Son of the living God, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. You see, in our life, sometimes by self-work and self-effort, we try to build our lives. We are but little stones, he says. And if you try to build your life on yourself, on your self-effort, on all your strife and all your anxiety and all your works and all your labors, you'll find real quick your life will begin to crumble because you are not meant to be built upon. You are, you are a living stones, the Bible says, built on the cornerstone of Jesus Christ. And the reason sometimes we feel like our life can be crumbling all around us, that we're falling apart or falling to pieces, is ultimately that we can take a check and say, maybe 
I've been building with little stones. And I've not been building on the big stone, the bedrock, the foundation that cannot be shaken, that is unmovable, that cannot be. He is the rock, the bedrock that every life is meant by God to be built upon. And so maybe today you feel like you're in pieces. Maybe today you feel like you're falling apart, that things are crumbling. And he says, but you are but a little stone. And if you'll just build your life on this stone, this one stone, you'll see that the gates of hell will not prevail on your life. Somebody say amen. amen. I was uh, thinking about how we can build our life on our own plans and dreams and efforts, and we find that restlessness that everything's crumbling, and I think, you know, what would it be like to build a house where God lived upstairs? We've got some upstairs in our, in our sanctuary right here. What would it be like if upstairs, you know, you could just be like, I'm downstairs making my coffee, and you could just go upstairs and talk to Father God and just say, I'm just going to check in with my dad today before I get out of the house and see how it's going. You come home from work, and you could just walk upstairs to Father God, and, and that man, wouldn't that be nice that God was actually in another story upstairs in your house? What access you'd have just to be like, man, I'm, I'm having a really bad day. I could just go up there and talk to him. And he'd come down. We'd make some cereal. He likes his frosted mini wheats. I like my Lucky Charms or whatever. You know, we could just sit down and chat with what's going on in life. What would it be like to build a house where God lived in a second story? You know, sometimes we all want that, a second story. We all need a second story. And sometimes we have problems that are chasing us in our sleep. And we think, man, I just need a new chapter in this story called life. I'm ready to turn another leaf. I'm ready to turn another page. I'm ready for this season of my life to be over. I'm ready for another story, another chapter. But see, sometimes the story you're looking for is not the story God really wants to give you. Sometimes it's not really what you're expecting. We're like, man, I'm really ready for this season of my life to be over and the new story to come. But what if just perhaps... The story is not about getting to turning another page. What if it's about going upstairs to a second story? You see, your second story really is not about getting to that next chapter. God wants to build his house in you. He wants to make you a dwelling place of the Holy Spirit, that in every season of every chapter of your story, there's always a second story. There's always an upstairs access. There's always a place that you can come home to and you have access to go right upstairs into his presence. And he wants to build his house. He wants to give you another story, but it's not the story we always think. He wants to put a second story in your heart. He wants to take your story and give you a second story. Isn't that good? Look at me in Genesis chapter 28, verse 10, that God wants to give you a second story. So I'm gonna give you two stories on one man's life and how that man gets from one story to the other story, but it's really all about getting to the second story. And that's a lot of stories, and it'll play on words there, but really, it's really about getting to the second story. So let's talk about Jacob, Genesis 28, verse 10. Jacob didn't have the perfect home, this is, uh, we're zooming in on Jacob's life. He'll later be called Israel. He's his uh, grandson of Abraham, son of Isaac. Jacob's uh, got a mess up life, man. They, that's a covenant family, and his daddy and his mom, they're plighting against each other with the kids, and 
Long story short, Jacob steals his older brother's blessing and his birthright and cheats him out. He's a deceiver by nature. And man, his life's decisions have caught up with him. He finds himself on the run. On the run because his brother wants to kill him. You talk about like a Jerry Springer episode. This is family is messed up. And, and her, his dad has lost all spiritual sight, didn't even recognize his own sons. I mean, all kinds of things is going on in this family. And God's been with this family and, and loves this family. And they love God in whatever way they think they love God. But they are messed up. They're, they're, they've got sin. And sin is broken into this family. And so he finds himself now on a 12-hour journey to get out of town, get out of Dodge, and go to his uncle Laban's house. And he's now wearied. Everything he thought he could do with his own life is crumbling. His life's falling apart. He's falling to pieces. He's broken. Everything he's tried to do by his own self-effort, he finds is leading him to nowhere, literally to nowhere. And here's where he is. Jacob is in the middle of nowhere. You ever feel like you're in the middle of nowhere? And here he is in the middle of nowhere. Genesis 28, verse 10. Then Jacob departed from Beersheba, and he went towards Haran. And he happened upon a particular place, really wasn't any place, just some particular place, some place. And he spent the night there because the sun had set. He took one of the stones on the place and he made a support for his head and he lay down on that place and he had a dream and behold, a ladder or a staircase was set up on the earth with his top reaching to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord was standing above and said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and God of Isaac and the land on which you lie I will give to you and your descendants, and your descendants will be like the dust of the earth. You'll spread out to the west and the east and the north and the south, and your descendants shall be the families of the earth. They'll all be blessed. And behold, I am with you. Everybody say, with you. I am with you, and I will keep you wherever you go and bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I've done what I've promised to you. And then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is certainly in this place, and I did not know it. He did not know it, and I was afraid. he was afraid. He said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. So Jacob got up early the next morning. He took the stone that he had placed as a support for his head, and he set it up. Turn to your neighbor and say, set it up. He set it up as a memorial stone, poured oil on its top, and then he named the place Bethel, which means house of God. But the previous name of the city had been Luz. And Jacob made a vow saying, if, I'll, if God will be with me and I keep, keeps me on this journey that I take, I'll get, he gives me food to eat and garments to wear, I will return to my father's house in safety. Then the Lord will be my God. And this stone which I've set up as a memorial stone will be God's house. And everything that you give me, I surely will give a tenth to you. Jacob found himself laying down in the middle of no place. Nowhere. Nowheresville. In the middle of nowhere, USA. I mean, that's not even USA, but he's in Palestine. Nowhere. He finds himself, and that's where his life is ending him up. Nowhere. Everything he tried to do on his own ends up in nowhere. And he finds himself at a place. He's got nothing, no family, no job. All the plans he had for his life are now in the past. You ever get to that moment where everything's in the past, and you can't tell that if anything good's going to come from the future? Everything good ever happened in, happened in the past? There's nothing good that could ever happen in the future? Hopelessness? Despair. He didn't even care anymore. His sin has driven him to solitude. Everything he tried had crumbled beneath his effort. So he laid his restless head on a restless rock. He lays his restless head on a restless rock. And, and what trouble. I mean, anybody want to come sleep on these concrete pillows for tonight? 
replace that Serta pillow you have, you know, that cooling pillows they have nowadays, and lay your head on that and sleep. You've got to be in a place that he didn't even pull out his jacket. I'm thinking, why didn't he pull out his jacket or backpack, something? But he just passes out on a stone, lays down, conks out on a stone. What a troubled night's sleep that would have been. You know what? God is so good, he's so gracious that God can make your no place into some place. He can make your nothing moment into a something moment. When you didn't expect it, God can come up unexpectedly. He can take that place that was anywhere and meet you out of nowhere. That God, he's in the middle of nowhere and God shows up out of somewhere. That God just shows up sometimes when you're not expecting him because he's that gracious. Jacob doesn't even deserve it. He's a sinner. He's a deceiver. This is all his own doing, his own fault. And God could say, man, that's your own fault. That's the reason you're there. But then God shows up out of nowhere. Isn't that good? That God shows up in the middle of your nowhere, in the middle of your someplace. And Jacob would learn that this out of nowhere, this someplace is about to be God's place. You see, there's this thing inside of us, there's a restlessness in our soul. There's a place that there is nothing, there's a nothingness that's always creeping up and it's always restless and it's that churning place that on the inside of you is always turning and saying, I'm bothered, I'm disturbed, I'm frustrated, what's going on, what's wrong with me? And that's your nowhere place, that's the middle of nowhere. And God in the middle of his grace could send his son, born of a virgin, into the middle of nowhere and make it some. Somewhere. What is that place in you that seems to be a restless rock that you're laying your head on? Maybe there are things chasing you. You're dreaming about things chasing you in your sleep. You are restless with anxiety and fear that there is more good in the past than there is good in the future. And you are living on a stone, a restless stone. And God wants to show up in your someplace. He wants to make that someplace called Bethel. And he's going to take that someplace and he's going to call it God's place. He's going to take your someplace and he's going to make it God's place. He's still the God today that says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Jacob was restless. And that's probably a place in all of us. So what happens, Jacob sees this staircase, and, and if you go into the study of the text, he really sees a staircase going up a mountain, the Mount of God. And he sees this staircase going up the mountain, and angels descending in God above. It's as if God shows up in the middle of no place, and he begins answering prayers. An angel goes down with the prayer requests and comes up with the, with the request, goes down with the answer. And he sees that this gracious God is interested in answering prayers. In the middle of nothing, and though Jacob didn't deserve it, God promises to be with him. He promises to protect him, to guide him, to deliver him, just as he's always done, because God wants him to know I'm faithful. I did it for Abraham, I did it for Isaac, and I'm going to do it for you. If you just trust me on this journey, I'm going to show you how to take one step at a time. One step at a time. And he says to Jacob, to, basically, he says, Jacob, I'm going to make your story my story. Jacob, if you're willing, I'm going to make your story my story. I'm going to give you unfiltered access into my presence, and I'm going to show you how to take these steps of life one step at a time. Jacob, you don't deserve it. You're a deceiver, but I'm so gracious. I'm still good. I'm so faithful. I can make your no place into some place. I'm going to make this place into God's place. I'm going to make your story into my story. That's what I want to do in you, Jacob. You know, the same is true for you and for me today. 
The Bible says in John 1.51 that Jesus said to his disciples, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see the heavens opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Jacob saw a ladder, and that ladder was Jesus Christ, symbolically in the flesh, in, the, in, the, in Jacob's dream. And God would be so gracious to you and me, just like Jacob, we are undeserving, we are in the middle of no place, we have weary and restless souls, and God would send his access, his ladder, his staircase down to earth, that Jesus Christ would be the one on whom all of our prayers are going to be answered, he's gonna be the one on whom we get access into our second story, that Jesus can come down in the middle of your nothing and say, man, I'm gonna make you into something. If you'll just trust me to take your life one step at a time, you're gonna see that I'm a good God, a gracious God, and I have been faithful from generations to generations, and even though everything in your past is nothing and all your good seems to be behind you, Jacob, I'm going to show you, I'm going to write you a second story. I'm going to give you a story that is going to be, this guy is faithful, this God is faithful, he is good, and he's with me. You see, God's pursuing us in our sin. He's taken our nothing places and he's given you access to a second story. As if to say, Jacob, if you'll build your life on this rock, I'm going to do something with you. Jacob, you're laying your head down on that rock, but that's not the rock I want you to build on. I want you to build it on this rock, on this mountain that you see this staircase going up. Jacob, I want you to lay it down at that first step. What does Jacob do? He, Jacob takes that restless rock and he flips it over. He's sleeping oh, just like this. And that's just got to be his horrible, horrible, horrible thing. This was actually in my yard today, y'all. And, and he takes this rock and he flips it over and he stacks it up. And he says, that rock was my story and I flip it up to God. I flip it. You know, sometimes in your life, you have got to start turning things over to God. There are things that you've been laying on and sometimes, maybe it takes a couple times to keep turning over. It seems like sometimes I, I flip it, something over to God and I go back down and I lay on it again. Oh, why am I going through this? This is so hard. Lord Jesus, my life is a wreck and I don't know why I'm so stressed out. And he's like, you're sleeping on a rock. Turn it over. You get up. Lord, I have the energy today. Turn it back over. And I turn it over to you. And Jacob turns it over and he takes it and he comes and he gets the oil. And he takes the oil. And he pours it on the rock. Oil was to consecrate it and set it apart. Because he was to remember something. I'm never going to sleep on that rock again. I just turned that rock over to God. And every time I pass through this way, I'm going to see that oil stain. This is God's, there's no longer this restless place. This is God's place. I slept on that rock, and I was in a weary, dreary place, and God came in out of the middle of nowhere, and he made it into a somewhere. He made that no place into God's place, and I'm setting this as a marker, as a memorial stone in my life, that if I ever come back this way again, I'm going to remember God is for me and not against me. God is going to be with me from today into forever, and I'm not going to go sleep on that rock again. This rock is going to stand as a testimony God is faithful. God is gracious. Just like Jacob, we're all unworthy, but we're all still chosen. 
God's had a plan for you from the very beginning to adopt you into his story of redemption. But you've got to take that restless thing in your life and you have got to turn it over. Turn it over. It may be 80 pounds. It may, I don't know how big that rock is. But for one time, it might have looked like a tombstone. Jacob could have very well have been wanting to chisel his name on this thing and set it up as this is my story. Jacob, who had his life all figured out, but by his own self-effort, ended up restless and weary in the middle of no place. But he says, this tombstone is not going to be my testimony. God is rewriting my story. I'm not going to chisel the end of this chapter on this page of my life. God isn't giving me just a second story. He's giving me upstairs, unfiltered access into his presence because that's how faithful and that's how good he is. But Jacob, you've got to turn it over. Now guess what? Jacob, let's start taking some steps. Look in the next part. Genesis chapter 35, verse 1. 30 years has passed, and Jacob has seen that God is faithful. His life wouldn't be perfect under not overnight. He still struggled. His uncles tricked him. He's got two wives. <laughs> there you go. He's got two wives. He's been tried to cheat out of all kinds of things, and, but yet God has been faithful. He comes out at the end of this chapter of his life with more family than he ever thought he'd have, with more money, more influence. He leaves, he goes back. God even shows up in the middle of the night, wrestles with him, gets him to overcome his fears for his brother. God works out that whole thing with his brother. God's been faithful. But he finds out his family still is worldly. It's 30 years now, and it's been seven years since he's been back in the land, and he hasn't passed this rock yet. And God speaks to him and says, I need you to go back to the beginning. Look in verse 30, chapter 35, verse 1. 30 years later, God says to Jacob, Arise and go up to Bethel and live there and make an altar to there to the Lord, who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau. So Jacob said to his household and to all who are with him, Remove the foreign gods which are among you and purify yourself. Change your garments. Let's arise and go up to Bethel, and I will make an altar there to God, who answered me on the day of my distress and has been with me wherever I have gone. So they gave Jacob all their foreign gods which they had and the rings which are in their ears and Jacob hid them under the oak which was near Shechem and they journeyed. And there was a great terror upon the cities which were around them and they did not pursue the sons of Jacob. So Jacob came to Luz, that is Bethel, the house of God which is in the land of Canaan and here and he and all the people who were with him there they built an altar. Somebody say altar. They built an altar there and called the place El Bethel, which means God of the house of God, because there God revealed to him himself when he fled from his brother. If you read the rest of the chapter, God reaffirms his covenant with him. He says, remember, your name is now Israel, like I told you before, and I am God. I am El Shaddai, which is significant because that's how I told your grandpappy Abraham who I was. I am God Almighty, and I was God Almighty with Abraham. I'm still going to be God Almighty with you, but here's what we're doing here. We are reaffirming another chapter in your family's life. But if you want me to go further with you, we've got to go further together. He had made his tombstone into a testimony. And God had been faithful these 30 years. So he takes his family back to the beginning of his story, this new story, this second story. And there they had to put to death all the old things, and they buried them. They buried sin. They buried sin. You see, because if you want God to be in your house... 
and you want to have unfiltered access to go upstairs to that second story, you can't have something on the stairway that's going to trip you up. Any parents know what that's like in the middle of the night trying to walk through a house with toys and baby dolls and Barbies and Legos and everything else, depending on what kind of kids you have? I remember one time I was walking up in the middle of the night to go to the restroom, and my kid had one of those motion sensor dolls that laughs. You talk about scare you half to death. You're walking to the back. ha, ha, ha. All right, this is gone. The thing is going in the trash tomorrow, right? Not doing that. You know, there are sometimes things that we have hidden downstairs that prevent us from going upstairs to our Heavenly Father. And there are things sometimes that prevent Him from coming downstairs. He says, Jacob, I've made this pact with you. I'll be your God if you'll be my people. I'm going to be upstairs. You can come up and talk to me anytime. My angels are ready. We're sending texts back and forth. I'm going to be with you in this. I'm going to bless you. But Jacob, if you want me living in your house, I don't want nothing on the stairs. I don't want nothing keeping this fellowship out of us. If there's anything in there, you need to put it out. You need to take it to that tombstone, and you need to bury it. What is the things in our life, church, as a, as a family of God that are keeping you and God from communicating? Maybe we're on our phones too much. Maybe we're believing like the world too much. Maybe we have philosophies and beliefs about what church is and church isn't. Or we're just so entertained by the entertainment of this world that God's like, I can't even come downstairs. I don't even have time. You didn't even call me in a long time. When is the last time we had coffee together? When's the last time that we've fellowshiped and you heard my heart and I've heard your heart? What are the things that are keeping us distracted? What is the busyness of our schedules that keeps us from the house of God, that keeps us from the prayer closet, that keeps us from reading our Bibles? If we put more of the world into us, he says, take away the foreign things that are distraction, that take the place of my heart and your heart. Take those things and put them outside the house and bury those things so that they can't come back in the house. Church, we are so inundated with worldly things. Let me be honest. As a Christian church in America, we are so inundated with news and hate speech and all the things that so easily attack our hearts. We filled our lives with sexual immorality. We watch the same movies the world watches. We share the same posts the world shares. We fill our phone all, every day, all day long, every time we're at the cash register, the checkout, in the car line. Everything that we do, we're on these things. Instead of taking a moment to pray and be in His presence and take those stairs, man, sometimes those stairs can be just like an escalator. You don't even have to have effort. You can be in your car, waiting for the next red light, and God, boom, there is some place can become God's place. It doesn't matter where you are. If dad is in the house, he can come downstairs anytime he wants. But do we have something on the staircase? Bury some things. Bury that busy schedule. Bury those worldly values. Bury that worldly entertainment. And start building your house on the rock. And here's what Jacob does. In the original language, it says he put a pillar. He took one stone and laid it up just like this. Marked it. When his family came back, he says, I'm not going to just build a pillar. God has been faithful for 30 years. I don't have this many stones. But he would take stones and they begin to pile them and pile them and pile them and pile them. As if to say, God has always been faithful. God saved me from this, and God saved me from that. And for everything in our life, you know what? In your story, this chapter you're walking with God, it says, if every stone is a step, 
that God has always been there for you, and that you could go back in your life and what, stone, what will the stones of your story tell is that you can say, man, God has been faithful. And every time I come back to this moment, I can say that God started that story. I have access with Jesus. And I'm just going to keep coming back and adding stone upon stone upon stone and say that thing that was restless before, God has been faithful every since. I've had a peaceful night's sleep because I'm not sleeping on that thing. I'm sleeping upstairs with my father. He's watching over me as I sleep at night. Let me tell you something. When God's in the house, there's no devil in the house. When God's in your house, in your heart, there's no devil in that place. That's where God takes up. You want to see the devil try to break in when God's inside with his 12-gauge shotgun. Come on. I mean, come on. Let's just be real. If God's in the house, there's peace in the house. If God's in the house, there's joy in the house. There's peace and joy and love and patience in your heart's house. Man, that's where I'm sleeping. I'm sleeping now on the rock. And every time I can go to that place, I say, man, I'm just going to keep on adding to this testimony. God has been faithful. And he'll always be faithful. There is more good ahead in me than good behind me. Is that true for you? Is there more good ahead of you than behind you? Sometimes we've stopped building our altar. You see, when he took his family to the altar, God showed up again. That's a whole nother sermon. He took his family and he made it into an altar. And when he brought his family to that altar, he said, family, this is where it all began, where God showed up to me and, and met me in my restless, weary soul. And he gave me access into his covenant. I don't deserve it. I've been a deceiver, but God changed my name. He gave me a new identity. And now I'm coming back here, and we as a family, we're going to put out this worldly stuff. We're going to build a family altar. We're going to pour oil and consecrate our whole family together again because we want God in this family. We want God in this house. We want to have our whole family have unfiltered access to go to a second story anytime we want. So family, if there's anything hiding in this house, we're putting it out. We're putting the movies out. We're putting the entertainment out. We're putting all the worldly stuff out. We're not doing things like the world's doing it. This family is going to be built on this rock. We're not building on our own efforts, family. We're building our life on this rock. Are we going to be perfect? No. But we're going to take a step every day upstairs. We're going to go upstairs every day as a family. We're going to have access to our Father. You know what there's interesting about that story is? Look at that verse. It says, verse 5, as they were going to the family altar, they journeyed there. It says that terror came around all the cities, all the enemies, and did not harm them. You see, you want to walk in victory, church? You got to walk in faith at that altar every day. You want to walk in victory? You keep God in that house. His family took steps towards God's house, and El Shaddai, God Almighty, was going before them and behind them. He was their front guard and their rear guard. The enemy began to fear them. Because why? Who's in their house? God's in this house. The same for you and for me. Revelation says that and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives even to death. You see, you and I can have a stairway to a new story. We have a testimony that was a tombstone before. It was saying death is going to come upon you. But now God says, no, I'm giving you access into life through my son, Jesus Christ. He's the stairway. He's the ladder that gives you access into God's presence. I'm giving you a new story. He can take your no place and make it some place. He can take a nothing moment and make it a something moment. And all you got to do is 
turn it over. It may take some work to turn it over. I'm not going to lie, that was 80 pounds. He can make it, it can make some work. It may be work to turn it over. Some of us got to roll it to the right place and it might take a few flips. Have you turned that restless place over? Have you consecrated it and said, man, I'm never sleeping on that thing again? Have you put out the worldly things out of your house? Have you let God build his house in you? Because God wants to give you a second story. God wants to take your story and give you a second story. Every head bowed and every eye closed about our team to come. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Have you given that place over to the Lord? Are you weary? Are you restless? Are you hopeless? Have you found that place that you can go back and keep adding to your testimony? Maybe you need to go back there. Maybe you're a Christian and you just need to go back to that place. Get a reminder of how faithful God's been. And you need to lay some more stones down. Maybe in your family, you've got to get some things right. We're going to start doing family devotionals. We're going to get back to reading our Bibles. We're going to get back to prayer in our house. We're going to turn off this worldly junk we've been li li filling our ears and minds and, and heads with. We're going to start praying as a family. We're going to memorize scripture as a family. We're going to get to church as a family. This family is going to be God's family. This house is going to be God's house. Maybe that's where you are. Or maybe you're just beginning your story. And God brought you here today because you need hope. That there is more good ahead of you than behind you. He wants to get you off of your own self-effort. Start taking leaps of faith with him. Steps of faith. So he can walk you into victory. Where are you at in your story? Where are you at? Father, I pray for every man and woman here today. God, I know that this week you've put it on my heart that there is people who need hope, that their life's a wreck, they're a mess. And God, you want to take that restless thing and you're inviting them to turn it over so they can have access through Jesus Christ to build a house in their hearts. Jacob said, I will make this place God's house. Maybe today that's you the invitation is there Jesus is here the stairway is already laid down Jesus has provided access for you to go into God's place